Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to another uh, show of this uh, wonderful series that we've been doing with Dr. Jay Smith. Many of you know who he is. Uh, he's been at the Speaker's Corner for almost 25 years. Uh, he is a uh, debater. Uh, he's an Islamic uh, apologist and a polemist. And uh, he represents also a uh, amazing a center called the uh, Founder uh, Center for Apologetics, and also he uh, represents another uh, interesting and amazing also ministry called I-Square, among many other things, of course. And uh, we congratulate you, by the way, on uh, your PhD. And uh, we're excited that uh, Dr. Jay Smith has been with us here in studio for a um, you know a few days now, and we've been doing a lot of these um, you know series on the uh, topics that are extremely problematic, extremely provocative um, topics that I think a lot of people need to know about, but not just any people. Uh, our Muslim friends uh, need to be fully aware of them. And as a former Muslim myself, uh, who grew up, uh, born, raised in Saudi, and used to think one way about Islam and its history and its book and its man, uh, I find it fascinating, of course, now that we are discussing um, new discoveries that contradicts a lot, if not all, of their tra traditional views uh, within the Islamic scholarship. And that's what we're doing, uh, myself and Dr. J. Smith. Today, we are going to take a uh, another look and a, take a, basically a, a different angle in relationship to those traditional views. And we will start by talking about the traditional dating as it relates to the start of Islam, the rise of Islam, the history of the Prophet of Islam, and uh, from there, will venture into a whole lot of interesting uh, topics, I'm sure. Dr. Smith, uh, thank you so much for joining me here. Well, it's good to be here, and, and Al, exactly what you have been saying. When, remember the earlier episodes, we said that Islam really is dependent on two pillars, you might say, that hold it up, uh, and those pillars are one book modeled by one man. The Book of the Man, Correct. the Book of the Man. We've said this many times. We've been bringing it up in our own discussions. It all comes back to one book modeled by one man. And now the former uh, earlier episodes, I think we did about nine of them, they were all zeroed in on the book, the Quran Correct. itself. Now we're moving to the man himself. We're now going into the next pillar. And we're at looking from a historical standpoint, what does history tell us? And this is why... It, it will be damaging. And we're warning Muslims right up front. This is not going to be easy to listen to. Uh, we, we do not apologize for this. Uh, this has already been done against our book and our man. Uh, for 150 years, we've had these same questions, redacted criticism, source criticism, historical criticism, literary criticism. All these criticisms were created confronting the Bible and the person of Jesus Christ. Correct. And we've answered every one of those criticisms. That's why we understand this material better than probably anybody else because we've had to work through it, in a, especially the last hundred years, we've had to work through it. Now we're taking that edifice, all those criticisms, and bringing them over to Islam and asking the same questions that have been asked of our Bible, we asked of the Quran. We did that in the right. previous episodes. The same questions that were asked of Jesus Christ and how Christianity began, we are now moving to the person of Muhammad and Islam and Mecca and these areas. How did Islam really begin? And these are the questions we're going to do in these episodes. Now, um, to do that, we need to look and see what they say. And the 
Muslims are very clear uh, that they have a what they call the classical account. That's correct. Let's look at the screen and you can see the dates that are there. So let's start with these dates. This is what you hear in every school, uh, in every, well, I don't know of any other college or university in the world that has any other story but this story that we're going to show here. That the story is, the narrative is, Muhammad was born in 570. Correct. Okay. No one's ever doubted that. Uh, that that he was born in a place called Mecca. No one's ever doubted that. Uh, that in 610, he was in a cave and uh, angel Jibril, as we know, Gabriel in the Bible, came down and as we said in the previous epo episode, said, Akra, read. And his response was, Ma'akra, I cannot read. Squeeze right. three times and he goes and back to Khadija, yeah. his wife, and she does a little test, have him sit on either knee, then disrobe and ask him, was this really an angel? And that proved that he was, that this was something authentic. And then she goes and has him talk to her cousin, Waraka ibn Nofa, who is a Nestorian Christian. One of the ironies is a Nestorian Christian gives him and says, truly, you are a prophet. So it's a Nestorian Christian, according to the Islamic traditions, this narrative that really give Muhammad his authority. That was all in 610. So from 610 to roughly 622, uh, there you can see on the slide, are then uh, he then receives these Meccan revelations. And what, uh, by that, we mean the second half of the Quran. That's right, and it's very distinguishable, of course, in style and format and everything and else. And how is it distinguishable? Uh, I mean, it's uh, known to be short, uh, poetic rhymes. Um, a lot of uh, young Muslim kids, you know, usually start there and by memorizing. And the, most of the yeah. Mecca material we can accept. There's not too much that we would have a problem That's with. That's right. God is up here, man is down here. Correct. God does not enter time and space. There's nothing between God and man. So he needs these intermediaries called these Rasuls, these Nabis, uh, and many of the stories there are about biblical characters. They're right. not the same stories you and I have, and That's they right. do not equate with the Bible as we talked yesterday. That's correct. But that Meccan material is the easy material. That's the acceptable material. Correct. Then he moves in 620, to, well, before that, in 621, as you can see in the narrative, he is woken up in the middle of the night, told to get on the back of a winged horse called the Burak, and he flies from Mecca up to Medina and then goes up to the seven uh, heavens. Uh, to uh, Jerusalem, you mean. Mirage, yeah. Sorry, did yeah. I say, I'm sorry, Jerusalem. Yeah. And that's where the Dome of the Rock supposedly right. is, uh, is situated, where that happens, where he then goes up. We're going to come back to the Dome of the Rock, hugely significant uh, uh, later on in these episodes. But that's where the, called the Mirage. Uh, how do you pronounce yes. it? Yes, Mi'raj. Uh, Mi'raj. So yeah. I'll let you do the pronunciation so I don't <laughs> desecrate it and make a fool of myself. That happens in 621. And then the next year, he then goes from Mecca up to Medina, and that's called the, the, the Hijrah. That's the exodus from Mecca to Medina. And that's the beginning of the Medinan revelations, the first half of the Quran. Rule of thumb, first half, because there is some Meccan material in the Medinan uh, chapters. There is some... Medina material in the Meccan chapter. But rule of thumb, those really, if you take the Quran and just split it in half, here's the Quran right here, and you just put your thumb, this part, which is the first half, would be Medina, this part would be Meccan. It goes backwards. So just turn the Quran upside down and you get the right sequence. Yeah, and now, technically speaking, it's not organized really in, the, in such a manner, just to clarify for our audience. They so don't, how is it organized? Uh, it's organized by chapter size mainly. Largest to smallest. Exactly. It's just that he was lot, not very long-winded at the very beginning of his ministry. He became very long-winded at the end of his that's ministry. Right. I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek. Please don't take that literally. Uh, that's the sequence that we're assuming, assuming that this narrative is correct. 
Gonna, we're going to destroy everything I've just said in a few hours, but let's continue on with that classical narrative. So if you look at the screen there, from 622 to 632, the last 10 years of his life, then the Medinan revelations are given. In 630, he then comes back down to Mecca, uh, to Mecca and takes over without firing a shot. No war. Uh, he did it peacefully. And then in 632, suddenly he dies, which tends to happen with most of us. We don't, you don't can't choose when you're going to die. Some believe maybe he was poisoned. We don't know, but that's what the traditions say. Abu Bakr takes over uh, for the next two years. He dies peacefully. Uh, Uthma, Umar then takes over from him, and he goes from 634 to 644. The next year, he is killed. Uh, Uthman then takes over uh, from 644 to 656. He is killed. That's and right. it's, as we said in our previous episodes, that's when the Quran was finally written down. And then Ali, the adopted son of Muhammad, should have been the rightful heir according to the Shiites. He then rules for five years in 656 to 661 and then he is killed. That's right. That is the narrative. That's the only story I've ever heard. Is that the only story you grew up with? That's the story you've heard. And of course, when you get into the Shia uh, version of events, they will tell you Ali would have been the righteous caliph to start with because he's the cousin of Muhammad. He's almost like the brother of Muhammad. He's the, fa he's the father of Muhammad's only surviving, at least at that time, grandchildren and so on and so forth. But this is the traditional Sunni. Now explain what you've just said. Muhammad had no heirs, did he? Uh, he did not. He had four daughters. And he did have two sons. And they supposedly died mysteriously. At, they died you know, when they were too young. young. They, exactly. they were still children. So he had no male heirs. What is one of the odd things? If he had 12 wives, why is it he could not produce two sons? I leave that for the Muslims to answer, but that's a question I've asked many Muslims. You know, he's not much of a model as far as if you want to ask for uh, for his uh, fidelity. He, I mean, not fidelity, but it's certainly that's another the whole another question. But certainly he did not, was able to produce two sons. That's ironic in and of itself. But what we do know is Ali was the one that, according to the Shiites, should have been the rightful heir Correct. because he was part of the family. Correct. Now, do you know any other story? Now, I'm not giving you everything. This is just the skeleton. Do you know any other story besides this? I mean, this is pretty much what every Muslim needs to know about. Of course, you learn later that there was a, a biography about Muhammad, Sirat Rasulullah. Okay, now let's, before you let's get into that, let's that. just look at this graph again. Yeah. This, this, everything you see in red, in that, that dotted red line, is what we're talking about. Those are the dates. With the uh, birth of Muhammad, 570, and the death, 632. That's in that uh, rectangular red dotted line. Correct. Now, let me ask you, um, we're talking about the 7th century. Certainly, that story, that narrative of Muhammad's life, what he did, how it happened, how Islam really began, how the Quran was, was finally tabulated, all that should have been written down by someone who was there, right? That's right. At least you would expect someone who was fascinated by the whole thing would have wrote it down. And there was no reason why they didn't know how to read and write at that time, correct? We know of people like Ibn Masoud and Ubayi who wrote down even revelations. Okay, it mentioned that they wrote it down. Now, was this story, that everything I've just told you, was it written in that red dotted area? No, it was written later. Oh, so let's look and see. Let's go up the slide again. This is not when it was written in the red area. It was written here. It was first written down by, the story of Muhammad's life was first written down by a man named Ibn Hisham. Hold on a minute. Uh, Ibn Ishaq. Ibn, okay, be careful. Ibn Ishaq is what is attributed. That's what Muslims That's right. claim. Correct. See, his, his name is there. Look and you can see. We put it up there. Look at the date, 765, Ibn Ishaq. You notice I didn't put the red line around his name. Why haven't I done that? Because his material, at least most of it is lost. Look, none of it exists. We don't have any 
documents today from Ibn Ishaq. The first documents we have are from Ibn Hisham. Look at the date, 833. Ibn Hisham takes what was given to him by his own teacher, that who was a uh, student of Ibn Ishaq, That's right. and throws out what he doesn't like and only retains what he does like, and then writes it down in the... the and so that is the first tabulated biography that is extant today. And the interesting thing is he introduces also for the first time the genealogy of Muhammad in there. Interestingly, and this is in 833. That's correct. Now, let's do your math. 732, 632 is when Muhammad died. 833 is when Ibn Hisham died. How many years have we got 201 there? years. 200 years. <laughs> it takes them 200 years to write down the first biography of Muhammad. And one of the most basic requirements for a biography is eyewitness accounts. Absolutely. Now, even more than that, most Muslims don't go to the Sirah. That's the biography. They go to the Hadith. So when was the first compilation extant that exists today of the Hadith of Muhammad? 240 years. There it is right there on the graph. Let's look at the graph again. There it is. 870 is when al-Bukhari dies. He's the first to tabulate it in one form. He was given 600,000 of these akhbas, and he whittles them down, throws out all of them except for about 7,400, 7,497. That's 80, so 98% he throws out and only retains 2%. Throws out the vast majority, retains only 2%, and that's the nine volumes that we have today. Correct. Uh, we're thinking that's the nine. It's attributed to him because even the earliest document we have for al-Buhari is not till the 11th century, and that's only one volume. You have to go to the 17th century to get all nine together. That's correct. This is, a, I mean, you can and see where there's an awful lot yet to do research on al-Buhari and whether or not he's even a thought. Exactly, because the fundamental question is, do we have even an original manuscript for al-Buhari? No, we don't. Not, not until the 11th century, and he was there in the 9th century. So to, it takes another 200 years before we even get a manuscript that we can even attribute to him, and that's only one volume of nine. So there you're talking about 240 years after the Prophet. When you get to the Tafsir uh, and the Tahrik, which would be the commentaries that explain the Quran, and the Tahrik, which would be the history of all of mankind up until the time of Muhammad, they are introduced by a man named Al-Tapri. Look on the graph again. You'll see when he died, 923. So that's the 10th century. So everything we know about Muhammad, everything, you can see it on this graph there, everything we know about who, who Muhammad was, what he did, comes from Ibn Ishaq, uh, 765, we don't have his material, so we have to go to Ibn Hisham, 833, Al-Buhari, 870, Al-Tabari, 923, and later. And I want to just make a comment right here. I'm going to ask my Muslim friends who are watching this, doesn't this prove to you that Islam is a man made all the way? All the way. Hundreds it's, of years later. Exactly. I mean, what else, uh, what kind of evidence do you need to prove that it's 200 years later, you have information all of a sudden written about a man that lived 200 years earlier. Will you yourself write anything about somebody who lived 100 years earlier or 50 years earlier without a single eyewitness account and be able to publish it? No, we're Christians. We go to Jesus Christ. Let's go up and look at the slide I want to put up next because look at this slide. Here's a comparison. If we as Christians were dependent on who Jesus Christ was, what he did, and what he said, and uh, we know that right immediately from, from the writings of Paul were written within 15 years of Christ's death, uh, we know that the tafsir, I'm not sorry, the, let's, talk, let's do like with like. The Siddha of Jesus, which would be the biography of Jesus, would be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right? That's the... 
That's correct. That would be the right, his life. The equivalent Though, to that. Exactly. That's the black letter of the Gospels. That's uh, the Hadith, what Jesus said, would be the led, red letters. In that's my correct. Bible, we have red and black. What Jesus said is written in red. That would be the Hadith of Jesus. Correct. So we know that three of those, tafs, uh, the, sorry, the Sira and the Hadith of Jesus were written within at the latest 40 years after Christ's death for Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John would have been written within 60 years of Christ's death. Uh, the And when you talk about equivalence, if you want to look at tafsir, that would be Paul's letters, would be the tafsir. They were written within 15 uh, years of Christ's death. It begun to. That's right. If you want to talk about the uh, the, tachik, the history, that would be the book of Acts. That's correct. It would and, be the history of the early church. And written probably within Between 52 15. and 62 AD right. by Luke. So there you have the Siddha, the Hadith, the tafsir, and the tachik of Jesus, all written within 15 to 60 years of Christ's death. Look at the exact same genre for Islam about who Muhammad was, what he said, and about the history of the early of early Islam. That is two to three hundred years difference. If we were dependent on who Jesus was, and, and we had the very same type of material that Islam has about Muhammad and the beginning of Islam, we would know nothing about Jesus until the third century. Correct. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John would not have existed in the first century. We would be dependent on the third century to even know who this man was, what he did. How would we defend him? And, and, you know, brother, here is what troubles me is that Muslims keep always going back to the fact that the uh, uh, one of the early, the P-52 papyra, that it's, uh, it dates like 100 or to 110 A.D. Uh, they're upset about that. And how can we even prove that any of the th accounts are true? Yet it is still within the range versus the 300 uh, Basically, what we're saying is Islam has a real problem here. Everything we know about who Muhammad was, how Islam began, what happened between him and his wives and his family, how where even the name Mecca is nothing that is uh, exists in the first century. And we're going to get even better as we move into these episodes. We're going to now Absolutely. move into what the concern is of the historians. And that but you can see already, we're now doing like with like. And like with like, I'm so glad that we as Christians have authoritative eyewitness account. Matthew and John were actually there. They were with Jesus for the last three years. They saw what he did. They heard what he said. They wrote verbatim what they knew about what he said and did. Thank God for the eyewitness accounts. Mark and Luke got it from the eyewitnesses. And that's why we can know exactly who Jesus was, what he said. If you want to talk about the, if, whether we have the, the originals or not, that's not even in question. Nobody doubts that Jesus existed. Nobody of doubts that he died on the cross. We have Thallus, we have Phlegon, we have Tacitus, we have exactly. Josephus, Greek, Roman, sources all of these non-Christians that. that support the death of Jesus Christ. We talked about that in the early episode. When you look at what we have historically versus what Islam has historically, you're, there's no comparison, but it gets much worse. We're going to show you now what we're now finding, because everything we know is from the 9th and 10th century. That's two to 300 years later. Wouldn't you like to go back to the 7th century? Absolutely. We're going to do that in the next episode. And with that in mind, uh, as you can see now, I'm speaking to my audience, why this is a very rich material that we do not want to do a disservice by just uh, cramming it all up uh, in, in one episode. So we're going to have multi-parts of this particular series. Thank you so much, Dr. J. And uh, until we meet again in part two, have a blessed day. Thanks for watching. Make sure to like and subscribe so that you don't miss future videos. And please consider becoming a patron on patreon.com forward slash Sierra International.